All right. Well, thank you all for joining us for week seven. And uh, we are looking at chapter eight today on church discipline in our book, Church, Do I Have to Go? So the main idea for this evening is that love cares enough to correct each other's sin. So I've got a couple, um, just a couple questions to open this up uh, just to get some conversation going. Um, what do you think of when you think of church discipline? What comes to mind? Okay, it doesn't happen very often, even when it should. Okay. Anybody think, what is church discipline? <laughs> what is that? Okay. What, um, what response do you think our society in general seems to have um, when people are struggling or having difficulty with something? They cancel them. Okay. Better to just not, not address it, not talk about it, just make it go away. Okay. Just ignore it. Ignore it. Okay. Okay. Weak or less than. Um, what about the thing that comes to mind with me sometimes is you'll see somebody who is, you know, maybe engaged in, a, in an altercation, a physical altercation, and rather than stepping in to help, what's the first thing people do? They pull out their phones and start videotaping it, and, you know, they exploit it, right? They post it to social media. They're like, look at these guys fighting over here, over this, you know, whatever. That's right. Let's watch this. Let's let's uh, let's comment on it, and you know, let's let's um, make a uh, you know a public um, example of this. You know, it, it to me, it sometimes it's it's like you know, instead of filming it, why don't you jump in and help? You know, why don't you try and break it up? Even even don't take sides if you don't know who's who's at fault or why they're fighting, but still break it up. You know, don't you don't have to, you know. Um, pull out your phone and, you know, exploit it. Um, how would you respond to someone that you know who is openly struggling with sin? It kind of, it's, there's a truth. It depends on how close they are and the type of relationship you have. Okay. Um, because if it's someone that I'm close with, they know it's coming from the heart. But if it's someone that I see, oh yeah, you know, we're friends on Facebook, we're not friends in person, and I see what you're doing, and even if I, I wouldn't comment on Facebook, but I reach out, hey, we don't communicate all the time, but you want to say something to me when I'm doing something wrong, I'm not, so it just depends on how close we are, mm -hmm. um, but if we're close, I will tell you, like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> now I do have people in my life that are not following what I consider the straight and narrow, but I'm like, okay, that's their path too, and you know what I consider right and wrong. Like, even when I go home, they don't do certain things when I'm around. It's just certain things they don't put in my face because that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. So they do respect that, but yeah, um, there's nothing I can say to change their minds, but hey, something's going on, but you know, I've been in prayer, they'll reach out to me. So they know what right and wrong is, but it just, 
Mm -hmm. When it suits them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, kind of the premise for today, and we, we, we'll break this down, but this, this topic, this, this kind of this, the main idea is going after sheep, right? And that's, that's the, whole, the whole point of church discipline is to bring about reconciliation and redemption in the lives of people who have gone astray. Um, and there's a, there's a certain process that is prescribed for us in Matthew that tells us as a church how to do that. Um, but um, we'll start off with uh, James 5, 19 through 20. Is my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So God intends his church members to not allow one another to be consumed by sin. Um, the whole the whole reason we're in this together is to, to grow together, to protect one another, to keep, uh, to battle sin together. Um, and so by battling sin together, that means sometimes we have to get messy um, in order to, to deal with it. Um, and so um, as a church, we should be compelled by grace to do whatever we can to rescue wandering brothers and sisters. And so, um, and again, there's a, there's, a, there's a prescribed method for this that we'll, we'll go through tonight. Um, but this concept of discipline is not one that's foreign to us. I mean, we've all grown up. We've all worked. We all know that at some point in our lives, we have encountered discipline, right? We have been disciplined. We are being disciplined. You know, there are, there are um, you know, any number of things. It's not something we grow out of ever. You know, the Lord, the Lord can discipline us. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we encounter that. Or we engage in discipline, you know, in child raising, you know, because um, we're trying to train those little unregenerate sinners into um, <laughs> bring them along into, um, you know, train them in the way they should go. And so, um, you know, there's, there's we, we were, all, we're all engaged in it at some, some point. Um, Hebrews 12, 6, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. And so there's this idea that discipline is done out of love, not out of spite, not out of condemnation or judgment. You know, that's up to the Lord. But when we engage in church discipline, it's to be done in love. The, the, whole, the whole point behind it is to bring about um, repentance and uh, reconciliation. So we have been reconciled as his beloved children and are being conformed into the image of Jesus. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Colossians 3, 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So God uses many things to shape his people, including pain. Um, anybody think of a time where God has maybe used pain to, uh, to shape us, to stretch us, to grow us? Um, yeah, okay. So Hebrews 12, 3 through 11, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet rest resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. 
For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for, this, for the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subjected to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So again, what is church discipline? We see this in Matthew 18. This is where we get the, um, the steps that we take, the process. So Matthew 18, 15 through 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We're also going to look at 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 3, uh, sorry, 1 through 13, which says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy, or swindlers, or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So pretty harsh words. Um, and then also in Titus 3.10, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. So there is some pretty clear language here that says, you know, here's what you're to do. If they won't be reconciled, if they won't be, um, if they're unrepentant, if they won't be changed, then have nothing to do with them. Um, and so there's a, there's a, a warning here and a charge for the church to guard the church, right? It's to guard the, the, the reputation, <clears throat> excuse me, the reputation to guard the, um, the witness of the church, um, to the, to the community. It's to, um, to not let 
people um, bring, bring shame upon the, the name of Jesus and bring shame upon the church. So when someone who professes to follow Jesus persists in an unwillingness to fight their abiding sin, sirens should begin to sound. So um, that's when w we need to take some action. Um, and so they are in danger of falling into destruction. So if this person is in, in you know, unrepentant sin and they have an unwillingness to fight it, then um, they're in danger of falling into destruction. So Ephesians 5, 3 through 13 says, But sexually immoral are all and all impurity or covet, covetousness must not... Must, ah, I can't read. Let me try that again. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetous, covetousness must not even be named among you, as is improper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. We also see in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, through 11, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, or idolaters, or, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what, is this, what does this tell us in, in regards to... Um, in regards to this, there is what hope, right? If we are in Christ, if we are, but it's let's say if we're in sin, let me let me back up. So if we're in sin, there is hope in Christ to deliver us from that, right? Um, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are washed, we're sanctified, we're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, and so He is. Um, able to conquer that and to beat that in our lives. Um, so not only is this person being in danger of being consumed by sin, but then the church is in danger of being consumed with sin if we're not, if we're not dealing with it. So if we're allowing it to run rampant in the, um, it, within the church, then the church is in danger of being consumed by it. Um, and so 1 Corinthians 5, 6, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Galatians 5, 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and, fight, uh, and, and light and true. The name of Jesus is in danger of being blasphemed if we don't do anything about this. Romans 2, 24, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. I certainly don't want that to be something that I am known for, do you? I don't want the name of Jesus to be blasphemed because we didn't do something about you know, sin in our midst. Um, so common struggles with sin in churches, um, there's just some, some examples that they list. Um, there's persistent sexual sin, which we've read about already in 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 11. Um, we've, we've kind of been through this and 
um, read through it. There's also stirring up division in the church. So there are people that will try to stir up, <clears throat> excuse me, stir up division, um, try and pit one side against another over over issue um, that may not even have any sort of eternal importance. Um, it may just be something that's a, a preference or a conviction or a third tier issue. But there are people that will try to stir up division. Titus 3, 10 through 11 says, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Um, so there's that, and then there's also continually disregarding clear scriptural commands. So 2 Thessalonians 3, 14 through 15, If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. So there's lots of um, instructions here to, to cast this person out, to treat them as a Gentile, to have nothing to do with them, right? But that's kind of the last resort, right? Is that, do we want to just get rid of people that are sinning and just say, hey, bye, be, be, you know, go and, you know, go and sin, you know? Or do we want to try and restore them? Do we want to try and restore them to the, to the faith, restore them to the church? Is that, is that our end goal? Seeing some head nods. Okay, well, that's, we're in agreement then. So there are some steps that the church can take in this regard. Um, so number one, the, the church could remo remove the affirmation of that person's profession of faith. So assuming we've already gone through the steps outlined in Matthew 18, where um, we've gone to them by ourselves, we've taken witnesses to, um, to them, they've still ignored them, and then we've gone to the... Um, the church, and the church is now trying to speak into this person's life, and they're still not, um, not repentant. They're not, uh, they're not having anything to do with it. The church could then vote or, or move to remove the affirmation of their profession of faith and say, we can't discern because of the actions that you have whether or not you are truly a professing believer in Jesus. That's not for us to judge. Only God knows your heart. However, the, because of the fruit that you have produced, we can no longer affirm that you um, meet the, you know, meet evidence of, of faith in Jesus because you're not acting as though one who, who has faith in Jesus. And so, um, you know, they can remove that, that affirmation. Um, does that mean this person is cast out of the church? No, we, we want sinners here, right? We want people to hear the gospel. That's the only reason, they're, the only way they're going to change, right? We want people to know who Jesus is. We want him to, to do a work in their life to bring them back to him, to bring them to uh, repentance, to bring them to true repentance. So one of the things the church can do is, is just say, look, we, you know, we, can't, we can't say whether you are or aren't a Christian because of the fruit that is in your life. So um, we're going we're gonna to remove that. And what that looks like, um, some churches would just say, we're going to remove your membership, revoke your membership. You're welcome to attend our Sunday services. We want you to hear the gospel, but you're not, you're not going to be allowed to participate in fellowship events and things like that with the body because you're, right now you're outside of, outside of the body. Um, the church does not judge whether or not someone is a Christian. That's not for us to judge. So 2 Timothy 2.19, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are His. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So the church does not judge whether or not someone is a Christian. Also, the church does not execute punishment for sin. 
rather warns the sinner of the coming judgment. Um, so we know that the Lord will judge, right? So Romans 12, 17 through 21, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So it's not on us, it's on the Lord. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 19-21. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be no, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus' words regarding judgment of others um, is, is found in Matthew, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The, the kind of the, um, where we get the, the main passage for church discipline out of Matthew 18, this process that we follow, right? Um, it's broken down into three parts uh, for us. So <clears throat> there's the posture of the church, okay? Then there's the process, and then there's the picture, okay? So um, the posture is, you know, how, how does the church address this, right? What, where do they come from in, in addressing this? Then there's a process, how do we address this? And then there's the picture, what do we look like as we address this, right? So the posture of the church is humility, Right? We go after those who are lost to sin. We pursue our brothers to bring them to reconciliation. So that's the, process, or the, the posture. We're, we're, we have a posture of humility, but we're pursuing people to bring them back um, to reconciliation. The process we find in the church, we follow the process to restore our brothers. Uh, so that's the go by yourself, go with people, take it to the church. That's the process. And then the picture for the church is to be gracious, forgiving, and merciful. So we want to um, be gracious in the process. We want to be forgiving. We want to be merciful. But at the same time, we have, to, we have a job to do. Um, so we'll look at this um, a little bit more in depth. So the posture of the church, we see Matthew 18, 1 through 14. And it's the kingdom is marked by humility. So as Christians, as a church, we are marked by humility. We are to be humble people, right? We're not to be proud. We're not to be, think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We're to have a posture of humility. That's following the example of Christ. He did not come to be served, but to serve, right? So we must be um, humble. The church must never be a source of stumbling, must never be harsh or passive towards brothers and sisters being consumed by sin. So in other words, we don't stick our heads in the sand, sweep it under the carpet, bury our heads. We don't, we don't hide from it, um, so, but we also don't judge it harshly either. We're not, we're not you, know, you know, chasing after people with, you know, with pitchforks and hymnals saying, get out of the church. Um, we're, you know, there's a process, but we have, to, we have to approach it humbly, okay? And then we're not arrogant or proud looking down on people who are being consumed by sin. You know, oh, 
you know, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that sinner over there, you know, and that goes to this whole, the whole idea of the speck and the log in our eyes, right? We don't want to come across as, um, as proud or arrogant or thinking that we're, we're better than other people because their sin issue may happen to be out in the open. Um, and so there are things that um, we need to be careful of as a church um, in order as we pursue church discipline. The church should be reflective of the heart of the Lord, right? So we should show the love of Christ to people. We should have, um, we should have compassion for people. We should understand that you know, they are being consumed by sin. That should spur us to do something, to go after them, to try and bring them about um, to reconciliation with the church. We should also be persistent in pursuing those who are consumed by sin, as Christ pursued us. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Philippians 2, 1-11, Christ's example of humility. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that's the posture of the church. That's how we should, how we should pursue these things. Then there's the pursuit by the church in three phases. So the first phase, okay, Matthew 18, 15, this is go, go to this person alone and um, point out the sin. Uh, Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we're called to encourage each other, to spur each other on. Matthew 5.23-24, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave, um, leave it there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Okay, so there's this call for reconciliation. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Matthew 18, 15 says, basically, reconciliation is the main goal, right? We are trying to reconcile people. Uh, we are trying to reconcile ourselves. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So phase one is the private phase. That's where you, you go on your own. Phase two is the partner stage, as we see in Matthew eighteen sixteen. So in here, um, we have some examples here. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. 
right? So um, this idea of going with more than you know, more than just yourself, bringing two or three witnesses with you. Um, there's there's safety there. There's there's um, there's wisdom there. The the group is able to speak to this person, um, perhaps offer wisdom, offer counsel. Um, there's safety there. Galatians six one through twelve or one through two, brothers. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then again, 1 Corinthians 5, 1-13, through 13, there's that, um, that passage shows up again here. And then phase 3, this is the public phase. This is where the church gets involved, um, as we see in Matthew 18, 17, and, and Galatians 6, 1-2. through 2. So a person under discipline, while not restricted from attending church, should be restricted from taking the Lord's Supper, and from normal fellowship of the church, because the church is then recognized, okay, this person is outside of, um, you know, outside of the faith. They should be, um, you know, we want them here because we, they need to hear the gospel, and we want Jesus to make, um, you know, to, to do a work in their lives, but we're not going to reward their, their sinfulness by allowing them to continue to participate in things that members, members participate in. Lastly, we have the picture for the church um, that we see in Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As, man, as many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. So Jesus didn't mean to keep a tab and, th- and then after 77 times, cease forgiving people, right? I was just a no, not, not just seven, but 77. Keep going. You know, keep, forgive them as many times as you can forgive them. Um, so the, the goal is always restoration and reconciliation. That is, that is the goal, the aim, the whole purpose of trying to um, put, put a person through church discipline or through this process as in Matthew 18, is we want to restore this person to, um, to full membership and restore this person to the fold. So any, any questions before we, we break? Any, any thoughts? Yes? What would we consider the normal fellowship of the church? That's a good question. Um, that would probably be, you know, dependent on each church. But um, you would think, like, they, outside of normal services and maybe small group, you know, church activities, you know, things like, um, you know, I don't know. I haven't given a whole lot of thought to this, although it's something that um, I've been kind of thinking about in myself because I kind of asked that same question. Um, what would this be limited to that, say, a, a person who came in off the, you know, off the street that we didn't, you know, we didn't know from, from Adam, you know, maybe they, they aren't a believer, but they've started coming to church, you know. Um, you know, but there could be things that, you know, they would not be per- permitted to be a part of, um, as sort of a, a way to maybe allow them to reflect and think on, you know, what am I, you know, why am I not allowed to be a part of this? But um, the Lord's Supper would probably be one of them um, because that would be, if, if we can't gauge that you are a professing believer in Jesus um, and we haven't, you know, it's sticky because we have open communion, um, but it's 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 as far as that goes. You know, we always put the put the the 
disclaimer out there, like, you know, it's open communion. Anybody who is a professing believer in Jesus may, may participate in the table. But if, that per, if there is a person in our midst that we know is under church discipline, then that person would probably have been made aware, hey, you're not welcome at the table until you get things right, because you would be outside of, um, you know, repentance. You know, you would be outside of, you would, you would, there would be a division between you and, and Jesus in this, in this regard, because you have this unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your heart. And so it would not be proper for you to take the Lord's Supper, um, because you are reflecting on a sacrifice that Jesus made, right, to, to forgive you of sin, yet you are openly sinning against Him. Um, and so that would not be, that would not be an appropriate um, action or an appropriate heart posture to, to enter into the Lord's Supper. Um, so that would, that would definitely be one of them, I would think. Um, you know, and, and then fellowship opportunities, you know, that could, that could be things like, you know, Times the church is gathered together for fellowship events, that, that could be. I, I mean, I don't know for, for certain that that would be something that we would do, but, um, you know, there it would be. instances where it would be if, if the person is continually stirring up strife, and in a fellowship opportunity, you, you know, if it's church, you're sitting and listening. Right. But if it's a fellowship opportunity, you have those opportunities to talk, to talk and stir up strife, but... I also see that it could be an opportunity for others to be like, all right, come on, guy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. So, I, yeah, and I think, I, I think it would probably be up to uh, each individual church to, to address how they would proceed in that. Um, but that would probably, it wouldn't be a, you know, a, a, a at-the-time conversation. That, I think that person... After after that point, after the church has said, "Hey, you're you're under church discipline right now," there would have been a conversation saying, "These are the things that you are permitted to participate in, and only the things that you're per- permitted to participate in um, until you get your act together." Um, that would be my my thoughts on it. Um, you know, um, I, but that's a that's a great question um, as far as you know, what can you do? What can't you do? Um, I, it may depend also on the the circumstance too. What what kind of what kind of sin are we talking about? You know, um, if it's somebody who's stirring up division or stirring up strife, then yeah, maybe maybe you don't want that person roaming around freely talking to whoever they want to talk to. Um, but if it's if it's a, a different situation, um, you know, I don't know. It's it's a it depends. I think it would be a case by case type of thing to see. But I certainly think Lord's Supper would be one of them for for sure. Yeah, so it kind of depends to some extent on what they have been involved in and what mm-hmm. they have been like teaching. You really want them continuing to teach a class or right? Uh, yeah, ministry that yeah could go some, go the wrong direction. Right. I mean, if somebody was you know, um, somebody was engaged in some sort of, uh, you know, um, an abuse situation with children or something like that. You certainly wouldn't want them working with children. Um, and, you know, the, the level of protection that we would have to put in place, you know, to make sure that that person didn't have access to, to children or things like that would be extreme, I would think. Um, I would hope <laughs> it would be something that would be protected. Um, and so, 
Um, yeah, it would. I think it, like you're right. It would. It would depend on what they what they have going on, what their what their situation is, and what they're involved in. Some people will use activities to cover up what they're really just doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're quite extensive. You don't know for sure. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely think there would be some. Um, there would have definitely been some some conversations regarding the plan and the process, especially if the church has identified, okay, yes, this person is under church discipline. This is this is something we're going to need to address. Um, in the book, it says you're not going to give them all the details, but not enough where they're starting to go ask questions. So the church may not fully know right. the full scope of what's going on. So could they really actually make this person cannot be, like who's, if it was something with children, is it just the leaders want to know? Probably, at that point. Um, That's scary. It, I, I understand. Yeah. I, don't. I mean, yeah. I think it should matter what it is. Like, it depends right. on what it is. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, you're drinking and you're having that, you know. Okay, I understand. But I think if it's... Because there's children running around everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're right. I may have spoken too soon on that. But, um, yeah, it, it may be. Um, trying to... I'm sorry, we just no. you every week. No, <laughs> no, these are good questions. But, I mean, it just, I think it all depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and there would be safeguards in place, I would think, you know, and maybe if that person was here, then there was somebody who's, you know, side-pocketing side them, you know, the whole time they're here. And just say, look, it's awkward, but until you get this, get this straightened out, you know, hey, Rakesha's going to be, you know, Right. She, she, you'll be all up in your business while you're here, you know, and it's just, that's right. And, uh, you know, nobody's, you're not going to be anywhere where somebody doesn't have eyes on you. And that's, you know, that's to protect you and it's to protect us. And, you know, and so. It's saying that reminds me of like, you know, Rob being an NJ being military chaplains, they have 100% confidentiality. So somebody can call them and say, hey, I, killed I have a gun, I'm going after the CO. Well, you know, Rob can't call the CO and say somebody's coming after you, but that person, you know, or I'm going to kill myself or whatever, they've just earned themselves a new best friend mm-hmm. until they are willing to go talk to somebody. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that whole mandated reporter thing. Yeah. So. Nope. <laughs> suffice it to say, it's not something we would sweep under the carpet. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I don't know. Um, the church would probably have enough details to know, okay, this person is under church discipline. They've done something that has, you know, blasphemed the name of Christ. They've done something that's tarnished the name of the church and tarnished the name of Jesus. And they are, they're going to suffer the ramifications for it, um, both legally and within our church. Um, and so here are the things that we are putting in place, um, you know, and that may be like a family meeting, but you're right. The book did kind of say we wouldn't permit people that don't know this person to talk. That I think that meeting is the kind of the initial thing of the church is now going aware, and we are we are trying to get you to repent. But some people are so eaten up by their sin. There's I I haven't done anything wrong. I don't have anything to repent for. Okay, well, yes, you do. But okay, we'll give you over to your sin, and you can you can figure it out but um you know but then we'll love you and love on you but you know 
it's up to you to you, you, you have to want to change. So I appreciated the illustrations that they put in the chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So awesome. Let's take a five minute break and then we'll come back for some discussion.